0: This is from the book, Tell Me Who You Are. It's a story from Vaughn. A lot of people mistake Lakota culture for poverty culture. I didn't understand the difference until I was about 23. Poverty culture is when you accept entry-level positions and fast food and all that. You don't ever think you can do something beyond that. You sell yourself short. You accept it all rather than think you can transform it. A lot of people are really lost they begin to adopt poverty culture into Lakota culture, and they think being impoverished is just who we are. It never was, that was from colonization. Our Lakota values were what eventually propelled me to fulfill my potential and be all that I was born to be. In Lakota culture, you have the virtues of respect, wisdom, generosity, compassion, courage, and humility. There's just a lot there. I grew up with it at home, but as a teenager, I began to identify with poverty culture and hip hop culture. I remember watching 106 and Park on TV and seeing people struggling in the background of these music videos. I identified with their struggle. They glamorized it in a sense for me, and I began to adopt a lot of those traits into my own life. I grew up on Pine Ridge Reservation, around an hour away from here. These reservations are the most impoverished counties in South Dakota. That's challenging. We're dealing with the consequences of legislation that is hundreds of years old, that combined Native Americans to reservations that prevented us from our buffalo hunting traditions, that terminated our faith and practices, and assimilated us to mainstream society. We have a creek that runs through here, which we used to call the Mini Creek with fast or swiftly moving water. So they called it Rapid Creek, and now we have Rapid City. What we call the Black Hills was translated from our Pahasapa. The history of Rapid City is imprinted with Native Americans, but history must be taught by people who can graciously teach it, not by people still affected by and projecting the trauma. My brother-in-law doesn't trust law enforcement whatsoever, and I'm like, well, why? He hasn't had bad experiences with them as an adult, but he says it's the criticisms nationally that make him distrustful. He won't engage with law enforcement, won't help them be better because of the distrust. You're imprisoned by your distrust. You're imprisoned by this fear. They imprison you from creating better solutions for our children. That's a consequence of not teaching these things within school systems. People learn it down the road and they become hurt by it. I realize that being emotional about these issues doesn't allow me to create effective solutions to change. People are justified in being upset. I mean, on just about every street corner, we have a U.S. president here, and you know the policies they designed. But I think as a community leader, I don't have the luxury of being upset. It creates a dialogue of opposition. Sometimes it's necessary, but I think our current leadership in Rapid City is really opening the doors to growth. At this community forum with the mayor, around 200 majority Native American people presented all these grievances, some from over 200 years ago, about the Black Hills being taken illegally. I stood up and said, if we feel that there's discrimination in our city and police department, then we need to change the organizational culture of the police department. We can do that through diversity. Let's get Native American police officers on the force. It shifted the venting session to talking about solutions. I'm now chair of our community advisory committee, and we've done a lot of work in the last two years. We advocated for body ward cameras, which were just implemented in January. We do a lot of community engagement. We've made recommendations to policy and police regulation. We're doing diversity initiatives. We're also working to redefine jails. Basically, we want to stop incarcerating people who we're mad at but who are no actual public safety risk. People with driver's license, petty offenses, public intoxication, you can't incarcerate addiction out of someone. We also wanna stop letting economic status keep people incarcerated. Our initiative is to reduce our Native American jail population by 20% by 2020. As of 2018, within one year, we've already accomplished 10% of that. And we have a program called Young Adult Diversion. If you're 18 to 25, these are the times that your brain is not fully developed and bad decisions can go on to haunt these young people for the rest of their lives. If they complete our program, then we dismiss the crime. No employer is able to find it. Before, we had community service. I've done it when I was younger, and that was excruciating. I didn't feel like it changed me. I just didn't enjoy it. We call it community enhancement. An example, this young this young lady wanted to get connected to her culture through a jingle dress dance, so we gave her the resources and connections to design her own dance and start competing. They dismissed her charge and she does it now all the time at Pow Wow. We weren't just warriors. We were historians, diplomats, hunters, storytellers, and very strong police officers. We had police practices from the 1600s, 1700s, probably even before that. They are very much the best practices today. One of them is restorative justice, but our traditional police officers called it the kichita. If a crime occurred, the kichita would bring the victim and the perpetrator together. They would talk about what just happened, how that crime has compromised the trust of this band of 100, 200, 300 people, and how maybe restoration could be made. We had to act with unity. We Americans just recently started talking about that in the last 10 or 20 years, but this has been a traditional indigenous practice for centuries. We can learn so much from Lakota culture rather than the poverty culture created through legislation. One last example of how legislation impacts us today. If you were native and didn't send your children to boarding school, then they withheld your rations. You were stripped of identity. You couldn't speak your language. You were given a Christian name. Having long hair is very important to Lakota people for both men and women. But if you were a male, you were stripped of your hair. Many children experienced abuse. We are the products of that, and it disrupts our ability to parent. So growing up, I didn't hear I love you or I'm proud of you or any positive reinforcement because for generations, we didn't receive that in boarding schools. We received a lot of punishment. Now, when my son comes home, he sometimes says, I love you. You're awesome. I love it. Some of the first time I've ever heard it.